turn off my ringer. That's a bad idea. <laughs> Mine's off. So we're doing an interview outside. We're gonna try this out for story time explosion. Um, we're get, kind of doing a series, well, I'm doing a series, uh, just trying to figure out why people move to Minneapolis, because I'm not from Minneapolis originally, and the majority of my good friends aren't really from Minneapolis originally, but there's something about this place up here in the <laughs> upper Midwest that everyone seems to settle here as opposed to other places. Mm. So I'm here with Clarence Weather and Dick Decker, and you guys are both from Louisiana, yep, yep. and you have separate but very interesting stories about how you got here. So uh, Clarence, why don't you go ahead and start? Yeah, um, I am from New Orleans and um, I had lived there all my life, lived w within an hour of New Orleans until I was 24. And uh, in 2005, when Katrina happened, I was actually in Alaska just by coincidence because I had a, 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 an acting gig up there. Uh, for the for the summer of 2005 so I couldn't get back home to New Orleans after the storm happened so I had to pick a place to go and it ended up being Minneapolis for a variety of reasons um, but uh, Nick and I both uh, have known each other ever since high school and um, now we're here together which is very bizarre mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> But yeah, I went to a school in Hammond, Louisiana. So did Nick. It was called Southeastern Louisiana University, and mm -hmm. it was just sort of a, you know, state school. It was nearby and affordable, and I, I was going there. And um, I graduated in December of '03, and just as I was finishing, uh, an actor had uh, who had just come from Minneapolis started teaching at SLU. So we, he never actually taught me, but we knew each other that way. Uh, his name was Josh Foldy. Uh, he's been back in town off and on since then, and his wife is Janet Allard, who's a playwright. I think I think they're in North Carolina right now. Ooh. But uh, they were working in Alaska in the summer of '05. So after Josh's first year teaching at SLU, he was like, "Look, you guys, I got to hire a bunch of actors to do this summer gig, entertaining the, the cruise ship people in Alaska. So do you guys want to come?" And he asked four of us. It was me, uh, my girlfriend at the time and two other actors from our department. And uh, so we went up to Alaska, and it was at a recreation gold rush trail camp called Liarsville <laughs> in Skagway, Alaska, which is this tiny little so town. So you weren't on the cruise ship. No, we were a, lot, we were a land excursion. We were, uh, we were sort, of a, sort of like an 1898 gold rush renaissance festival. We were all characters like, like uh, miners and madams <laughs> and news reporters. And we were... <laughs> We had this like like 20, 25 minute show uh, that was completely ridiculous and it would were end- Were there gunfights and stuff? No, sadly. <laughs> there wasn't anything that elaborate. Oh, no, I did think the character backstories you came up with. That's true. Well, yeah, we, we all had characters that were, uh, we, we were supposed, I mean, we didn't really take it very seriously. We didn't stay in character or anything like that. Um, we kind of were supposed to, but we just, nobody did. And we were supposed to come up with camp names for ourselves. And there was one guy, Benjamin, he was barroom Benjamin, you know, things like that. And all, right. the, all the women who played madams came up with, you know, sexually suggestive names like Madame Iditarod and things like that. But I couldn't think of one and I joked, uh, I, should, I should wear a fake mustache and be Dirty Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no one knew what that meant. So they, about, well, about half the people, about half the people in the cast and the, the company knew what it meant and half of them didn't. And the half who didn't, started referring to me that way in front of the guests and I'm like no no don't call me dirty Sanchez uh, 
And my friend Jonathan, who was one of the ones from Louisiana who came up, he was a reporter, and he uh, would tell people, he would go up to guests and introduce himself, and this is my friend Dirty Sanchez, and I write for the Cleveland Steamer, and I was just wondering <laughs> if I could ask you some questions about about the gold rush, because uh, the whole thing with Skagway was, was where it was, because it was on the way to the Klondike. Right. So we had to learn all this stuff about the Klondike and the gold rush and all that, and uh, then on our days off, got to you know go see glaciers and things like that. That's so kind of cool. It was really awesome. But we had been there for about four months. We got we got we arrived on Cinco de Mayo mm-hmm. and had tacos in Alaska, and then started the job. And then it was August 29th that Katrina happened, and I remember finding out about it. Kind of, we didn't have like TV or anything like that. We were living in the woods, about two and a half miles outside of town, so we didn't really stay too engaged with the news or anything. And somebody off of a cruise ship said, "Oh, how are your are your family? Are they leaving town?" And we're like, "What are you talking about?" And they said, "Oh, there's a hurricane coming." So we were surprised and surprised we didn't know. Mm-hmm. So we called our families, and my family was evacuating. Uh, they were going. I think they ended up going as far as Arkansas. Um, because they all, for the most part, except for, except for my uh, paternal grandparents, they all lived in the city proper. Right. So um, they ended up losing all their houses. Every, the only people who still had a house in my family were my grandparents. That's a question I've always had. Was, when it was coming in and it was being forecasted, was it, was it considered a big, big storm? Yeah, it was, it, the, was, okay. it was the very first time that there was ever a mandatory evacuation okay. call. And uh, there was a, there, what, a lot of the confusion stemmed from the, the storm track. Because originally the storm track, it didn't look like it was going to uh, to hit New Orleans. It looked like it was entering the Gulf, but it didn't look like it was going to hit New Orleans. And then at some point there was a shift. Maybe that's what I'm remembering because I remember there being a little something like that. That yeah, there was there was a sudden. Well, it had it, yeah, it had it had already hit. It had already made landfall and done some damage elsewhere, and and everybody thought, well, that was it for the hurricane. But then it kind of came back with a vengeance. Um, and then it wasn't even really the storm so much as the storm surge mm-hmm. and the failure of the flood walls right. that caused all the flooding. Because when the storm hit, it actually hit the real brunt of the storm hit uh, coastal uh, uh, Mississippi, and that got it real bad as far as the hurricane goes, as far as wind damage and just tearing shit apart. Right. But uh, New Orleans was pretty much okay uh, until the flood walls failed, and there's a whole series of reasons why right. that happened that we're all pretty much man-made problems mm-hmm. but um but yeah i mean we knew it was big we knew it was coming and we knew there were there was a chance that it would be it would have the sort of effect that it did have so what was it like being up in a in alaska <laughs> yeah. fucking alaska like <laughs> that's almost cliche like how far away could you possibly I, be I, I, I said i said it at the time and it's still like the best the best metaphor that i it, or a simile that i can come up with is it felt like being princess leia on the death star watching alderaan blow up right. it was like because we had to bike two miles into town to go to this little internet cafe that had CNN on one of their TVs to find out what the hell was going on because our cell phones didn't work after the storm because we all had Louisiana numbers mm. and so we couldn't even call each other in Alaska. Wow. Um, and so, like, I knew that my family was evacuating, but I didn't know where they got to. And so, meanwhile, we're hearing all the, the shit that's happening and we have to do these stupid shows for these people on the off cruise ships who, you know, nine out of ten of them were really nice and like, oh, oh, is everybody okay? But then one out of ten would make a joke or something like right, that, and yeah. just want to hit him. And it's like we got to do this fancy, funny little show, you be yeah. okay. Seriously, do anyone? Are any of my friends dead? Right. You know, 
And so it's a 25 minutes on the rest of the day off worrying. No, I know. Well, we would do about 10 shows a day. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. So, even more. so it was like an eight or nine hour day yeah. um, littered with just getting tour groups in and out. Right. Um, helping them pan for gold and feeding them salmon and getting them out and getting them back on the bus. Yeah. But, uh, it, yeah, it, it was a few days before we started getting back in touch with everybody and sort of getting more of a sense of what was going on. And then there was the whole, you know, long drama about, you know, the aftermath that was going on. But at least at that point, we knew that we didn't we didn't lose anybody, mm -hmm. but we knew what houses we lost. Right. Uh, I knew my car was gone because that was at my dad's place. Cat, um, my girlfriend at the time, all of our joint stuff we had left at her parents' house, which was just outside of the city, and got a little bit of roof damage, but the house was mostly okay. So our stuff was still okay as far as our clothes and dishes and all that stuff. Um, but all of my family's houses and homes, I mean, we were lucky that we didn't own a house at the time that was down there. Right. But, uh, yeah, it was all gone, and we had to pick a place to go because our, our flight was scheduled to return to New Orleans, like September 29th, I think, uh, 2005, so a month after the storm, and there mm. were still no flights in. There was still nowhere right. for us to go, nowhere to stay. So we had to pick a place to go. Now, while, yeah, just, just randomly on the map, so we, but what happened I mean, was picturing a map and a dartboard. Yeah, exactly. You guys are all like best two out of three. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not far off because it was like it was really circumstances that, that led us to go to Minneapolis. Because what happened was, while we were in Alaska, we were planning on Cat and I were already planning on leaving Louisiana because we both work in the arts, wanted to continue working in the arts, and even before the storm, Louisiana just was not a place that that was really tenable. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of great art happens down there, but you're going to have to work two bartending jobs and a retail job to, to sure. pay for You know, it's like... So you guys knew there was a move on the way, sort of no matter what, even if this had not. Yeah. And we'd, yeah. we'd already had some college friends who'd moved to New York mm -hmm. uh, to, to pursue uh, either acting or working in production or, uh, or still keep working in the arts. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it, it was on the table already, but it was what we were planning to do was take the lump sum of money that we would have earned from Alaska and then for a couple of weeks just hit different cities and check out different markets where we had friends we could stay with for free. So we were thinking Chicago, New York, and Los Angeles, although Kat, Kat wasn't keen on Los Angeles, but I was just because she, she wasn't into acting for film, but I, that was something I want to do. Right. So we kind of tentatively had that planned. We actually even got SNL tickets for right after we got back because we were planning on being in New York um, for, you know, sometime in the beginning of, of uh, October. And uh, while we were there, Josh Foldy and Janet Allard, the, the the two people who were responsible for bringing us to Alaska, for getting us that job, um, they had just come from Minneapolis, like I said, and they recommended we add the Twin Cities to our list because they said, you know, Minnesota is really good to the arts. There's a ton of work, and you can afford to pay your bills. So the the idea of being able to work and sustain yourself was a really attractive thing to put this on the table. And by sheer coincidence. Uh, we had a friend we could crash with in Minneapolis for free just at the same time because right when Kat and I went to Alaska about maybe a month before that our friend Ed from, from high, high school, school Nick's and my friend Ed had moved up here with his then fiance now wife Kaylee who was a Minnesotan 
and we thought we'd never see him again. I mean, we thought we were going to see him. We were going to go to the wedding that fall, yeah. and that was it. And we were like, Minnesota, where's that? You know. Um, so we had a goodbye, you know, in April of '05 when they left. And then there was a, well, I'm going to Alaska, and he's, you know, Nick's hanging out here, and we're all just going to then reconvene at the end of the year. Right. Um, so we added Minneapolis to our list. So uh, when Katrina happened, we had to pick a place to go directly, sight unseen. We could no longer go back home, unpack, recoup, make a game plan. We actually just had to pick a place. So Ed just allowed us to crash in his futon indefinitely and said, you guys can just come stay with us. So I called and had a days-long phone battle with Expedia about trying to change the, the ticket right? because they still wanted to basically fly me to Phoenix because that was the layover. <laughs> it's like, well, your, your, your plane to New Orleans is canceled. The flight's just flat-out canceled. But they wouldn't let me change it, so that I would have just been stranded in Phoenix. Yeah. I'm like, what do you, what do you try? And they had offered. I had gotten an email offering, you know, people who were displaced by the hurricane could have their travel plans changed. Yeah. And I did, but they were like, well, your itinerary had already been made. I'm like, that's the point, isn't it? Right, I, yeah. Anyway, there's this huge, big, obnoxious phone battle with them. They finally they finally went ahead and changed the tickets to Plus bring us Phoenix. Here. Phoenix being the end-all purgatory-like destination, <laughs> like, I... I fucking hate Phoenix. So, like, <laughs> just hearing that that's where you'd have to and be. Eventually, like, you, you would disappear somewhere into the American Southwest, <laughs> yeah. fading away with a windstorm. 20 years from now, you would find me living in a pyramid hut <laughs> with, with all sorts of gemstones surrounding me. Things didn't go the way I thought. <laughs> Do you want to buy this necklace? <laughs> Long gray hair. So then what? <laughs> um, so you were able to, I'm assuming, to sort of figure out the flight. Yeah, so we got that taken care of, and then, you know, a month after the storm, we, our job ended in Alaska, and we left, and came straight to Minneapolis, sight unseen, had never been here, and like I said, probably couldn't have found it on a map, and it was, you know, it's about a day and a half travel from Skagway, Alaska to here. Yeah. Um, so we're, we've lost all sense of time, we don't know what day it is, it's... We, there's, we're still processing the whole Katrina thing. We still haven't been home yeah. since since months before, since five months. And we've been in Alaska. We've been in really the woods, very remote. I mean, the town booms to about 800 people right. in the summer. Mm-hmm. Normally, Skagway, we were told, had closer to three or 400. It was this tiny town. So we're not used to, you know living in the wilderness and growing out our beards and everything and yeah. then we come here and go straight to the mall of america yeah and it was just really disorienting for so many reasons because it's it's back to civilization for the first time back to a strange city on a, on a new adventure yeah. uh and and then we had to sort of figure out what was going on katrina wise so there were a few weeks there where we just kind of crashed and tried to figure out a game plan you know i was on the phone with the insurance companies and we were getting our relocation assistance and we we're trying to decide on whether or not we're going to stay here, still travel to the other cities, and we ended up getting a six-month lease on an apartment here, just across, just about a block up from the Brave New Workshop. And uh, I started auditioning and started working here in January of '06, and haven't stopped working since. So yeah, I'm you've gotten a lot of steady work since you've been here. Yeah, there's, there's, the, the town has been good to me, and it's, it's a good market, and I've, I've enjoyed it. And Cat. Uh, ended up getting a job that she really loved uh doing arts and men yeah know. basically doing what what she went to school for and what she well it's what she i mean a, after after acting because she kind of walked away from acting she, that was sort of what she wanted to do was was arts and men and 
she basically found a job that I, I, I knew she really liked a whole lot, so we, we're both still here. We're not together anymore, but we're both still here. Um, so yeah, it was this weird confluence of events that was just a series of coincidences that we just kind of coasted to Minneapolis and have had no reason to go anywhere else. I mean, I don't know that I see myself here forever, but it's been five and a half years. Yeah, well, I never saw myself here for for uh, two years, let alone ten years. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? There's just uh-huh. something sort of weird about Well, I think, too, like, we just sort of fell into stuff we really like here. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to be like, well, something pretty cool, at least on my end, has to come up for me to uproot now, because, like, in some ways I'm doing exactly what I want to do. Right, so. exactly, yeah, yeah. Totally. So, so Decker... You guys are friends. You're yes. from the same area, so, uh, so, but you have a completely different thing going on. So, uh, so I graduated uh, December of '04 from Southeastern from, same college. from the same college. Um, Were you guys all theater majors? Were you? Theater no, I was. Uh, I was the creative writing uh, lit major. So, oh, yeah. so I was uh, putting my degree to work by asking people if they wanted whole or skim in their coffee. Yeah. Um, working at uh, working at a bookstore in a coffee shop. Uh, they had left. Uh, our friends Ed and Kaylee had left. I was still living in our old college town with uh, with college friends, um, living above a bar, uh, which was which was fine for somebody who works second shift and and uh, and late shift because I wasn't going to go to bed until after bar closed anyway. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I was still going out to the bars at night, so it really didn't matter. Uh, it was a fun apartment. It was it was nice at the time. Um, uh, so our friends Ed and Kaylee had taken off. Uh, Clarence took off, uh, and I felt like, well, I'm left. It's, it's you know, it's that our core group from from high school is is you know breaking up, and right, I was like, yeah. well, so I've got the college friends, and I had certainly made no long term plans at that point, having just graduated college. I right. was I was content to work retail a little bit more before I started to enter the uh, the real world. Um, so you, in some ways, you're. Your future was a little bit looser than yeah, you I guys, wasn't. even because you guys had you didn't know necessarily where you were going, but you had some kind of plan. You knew you yeah. were off he had an itinerary. For as you know, for me, I was uh, uh, I hadn't considered leaving Louisiana at the time. Uh, it was would never be opposed to it, but it just never crossed my mind at that point. Um, so uh, it was it was quite a shock when um, August. Uh, August, the end of August came through, and uh, we saw this storm coming. Yeah. Um, we had my roommates and I, and uh, the the our friends who lived next door, um, in the same uh, or in the the neighboring apartment, had uh, decided we were all just going to uh, band together. Uh, we all the the two apartments shared one balcony, and yeah. we had a grill and all this stuff out there. So we bought some basic supplies. Uh, we said, you know, the first couple days we'll uh, we'll empty the freezer with all the meat we have in there because that's obviously going to go bad first when the power right. goes out. And the idea was we did not expect that it was it was going to be anything more than like a week. Right. Yeah. Uh, that would be worst case scenario would be a week. We'd have to wait out this hurricane. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you go for to get eaten first? <laughs> um, I I wasn't sure who I. Uh, <laughs> but you knew that it was. It was probably so it didn't come to a vote. It was probably going to be me, uh, because everybody else would have been able to overpower me. Well, and the the smaller people were stringy from drug use, and we didn't want <laughs> we didn't want their meat. That would have just been gross. Yeah. Uh, the uh, <laughs> so we had we had some basic supplies a few days before the storm came through, and there was we. Uh, 
the, the college town we're in is in the confluence of two interstates, uh, Interstate 12 and Interstate 55. And we had seen, you know, caravans of people just coming through with everything. Um, my parents, who lived uh, uh, just north of Lake Pont they lived just at the, uh, the north end of Lake Pontchartrain, uh, had last minute decided to leave. They originally weren't going to evacuate, but they live pretty much on the lake. They live a block away uh, from the lake shore. Uh, they decided last minute that they needed to get out. Um, my my little brother, uh, through some coincidence, uh, picked up the rabbit cage and set it on top of a table uh, before he left, uh, which will be, we'll get to that. Uh, they, they Stay tuned later for the rabbit cage reveal. <laughs> they left and, uh, and headed up to Baton Rouge uh, to my grandparents to stay with them. Uh, Baton Rouge was going to be a much safer option. The, uh, uh, and where I was was in between uh, where my parents lived uh, in New Orleans and, uh, and Baton Rouge, so pretty much dead center. We figured we, it wasn't going to be too bad. Uh, so when the storm came through, uh, we were on the dry side of the hurricane which uh, while, while it's less rain, it's higher winds. Uh, I didn't see, nothing happened to our apartment. We, we had some leaks in the roof um, and I think some, uh, some shingles got blown off, but it's, this is a building that was built. It was originally uh, a, a reconstruction era shoe factory uh -huh. that was then uh, refurbished in the 30s for a, a WPA project, so it was an old, solid building. Uh, but then again, another building just like it, uh, a block down, a bar we used to go to all the time, Augustine's. The wind was so strong, it ripped the bricks out of the side of the building. It, so it took the brick wall down. Wow. Um, so it certainly, it certainly was not the safest place to be. And one thing too is, and this is in Hammond, so this is really far, far inland too. Right. This is really unusual. Uh, degree for of damage for that sort of which is why we thought it wasn't going to be a problem. Yeah. So uh, it was about uh, it was about three days in, and we had no power, but we did have radio, and we're starting to hear just how bad things things are. Yeah. And we realized that, uh, wow, it's probably not going to be a week that we're going to sit this out. Okay, and, and we're starting to have, uh, we're, we're all starting to break and starting to fray. I, uh, I got in my car and went down, when I heard the roads were clear enough, went back to uh, my hometown just to go check out my parents' house. I had to park uh, on the highway about uh, six blocks up to, to get to it because there were still trees down in the road. So, yeah. so I parked on the highway walked in and there were people some people had come back or some people who had stayed who had were lucky enough to not have a tree fall through their house were, were out cleaning up and surveying damage and uh i i crawled through crawled over trees through streets uh got down i got to uh, i got to an intersection about a block and a half away from my parents house and i hear i hear this like uh, this roaring sound i'm like oh it must be a motor so maybe somebody, maybe there's a, a work truck here. I'll go down, find out. And I'm walking down, and like the roaring sounds getting louder. And I don't see a vehicle, and I see, I see a tree down, and I see these leaves popping up into the air, kind of, kind of like you know that popcorn right. look. And I, like, I stop when I realize it's a gas main oh, that's wow. freely shooting up 
and I, I back away and like I, when I find some of the neighbors in the area I'm like has this been have you guys been able to say this because this is pretty bad yeah um, yeah that was a little frightening I got to got to my parents house um, uh, it's an old it's it was built in uh, 1895 so it's a, it's an old house uh, my um, my great aunt and great uncle lived uh, on uh, as a neighbors on the north part of the block, mm-hmm. they stayed, uh, and miraculously, the the water, the storm surge that came in from the lake, never got into their house. It got up to their back porch. The house is raised uh, mm-hmm. about six feet off the ground, uh, but it never got in the house, thankfully, or they would have just been that would have been the end of them. Yeah, because uh, they're older. I'm taking. They're yeah. they're older. That would have and it would have immediately poisoned the 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 floors. The mold would have set in, and it, yeah. it's just dirty water. Um, so thankfully it didn't get, it didn't get into them. Uh, but there were, there were, and the other thing is that miraculously too, an oak, any of the oak trees did not fall through their house because there are a lot of oak trees around. Um, and oak trees, the roots go out, but they don't go deep. Mm-hmm. So they will fall. Pine trees also will snap because yeah. they're, you know, the, the, the trunks are weak. Right. So between the pine trees and the oak trees that nothing fell through either my parents' house or their house. Um, but, uh, I got to, I, I, I came down into my parents' house to, to look and there was about a foot of water that had gotten into the house. You could see from the watermark and there was just uh, lake silt all over the floor and in the carpets. Um, the, uh, the, the, thankfully the rabbit, so the rabbit only survived because my brother had picked the cage up because if he had not. There would have been a drowned rabbit, and oh my god, that would have just been awful. That would have been we would not. That would have been. That would have been heartbreaking. Uh, uh, so I just I walked around, checked out, looked at the damage, and it was you know, I, it was really it was disheartening. I mean, it certainly could have been worse. It could have been worse, hundreds of ways. Yeah. But that didn't make it any less disheartening to to see the house in that shape. So uh, I got back to my car, went back up to. Um, to my uh, to my apartment, uh, went into my neighbors, and my neighbor uh, Casey and his girlfriend Molly, uh, this girlfriend at the time, were uh, were in there, and I was just slumped over their kitchen table, defeated, yeah. and they were like, "Oh, you need a hug and all this," and yeah. you know, hugging it out, and then we hear uh, honk honk from the back uh, driveway. Uh, we go out to see who it is, and our our friend uh, our friend Danny. <laughs> Kicks the, his car door open, jumps out, and finger finger guns in the air, starts waving and screaming, "Woo, martial law!" And we we look at him and we say, "What?" He goes, "I'm heading down to my parents' house. I'm getting my guns and I'm bringing them back." Oh and that was the point when I realized that um, while while there wasn't there wasn't any reports of looting, you would hear about looting. You know, then the, there was looting here, looting there. We right. hadn't really heard anything in the area, but I realized that I wasn't going to be shot by a looter or anything. I was going to be shot by my friend who had poor safety and (laughs) and, and decision-making processes. So that was the point where I'd figured I needed to find out a way to meet my parents (laughs) to uh, to, to hook up and get to Baton Rouge. Uh, How'd you do that? My... Uh, coincidentally, my uh, like not long after I checked out the house, my dad, uh, my little brother, and my grandmother had gone down to check out the house too. Yeah. So they came by maybe like four hours later. Yeah. They they came up not long after, met me at my apartment, uh, and we got just some some uh, important stuff out of, of mine out of the uh, out of my room, 
uh, loaded up in my car, got my car up to Baton Rouge, and I joined uh, I joined everybody up there yeah. uh, to hunker down. So how did you end up in Minneapolis then? Um, after we did follow us, yes. Uh, so after we did the we did the cleanup, we pulled out the the sheetrock, the carpet, the carpet padding, saved what we could, chucked what we couldn't, um, and uh, uh, kept working. But you know, at that point, it was it was really disheartening to be, uh, you know, even in the suburbs. It yeah. was just it was just did not not much. Uh, a lot of my friends were just so in the dumps. I had friends whose houses uh, completely destroyed. Uh, completely unlivable, and that was, you know, that 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 mood is infectious, yeah. and it's. It was an entire metro area that was that had PTSD. Yeah, I had a coworker just describe it all as a miasma yeah. uh, to to be in, and it, uh, you know, it 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 hurt. Uh, I won't I won't talk about how bad I got dumped at the same time, but yeah. I got mm. really harshly dumped too by mm. by a girl at the same time. That certainly didn't help. Uh, and no, that wouldn't help. No, <laughs> that would suck. Not at all. There should always be a moratorium on things like that. I know, right? like, I know. <laughs> two months post-disaster breakups can happen. So yeah. by, by November, um, I had pretty much decided that I needed to get out, and now I've got a bunch of friends in, in uh, Minnesota. So uh, I figured out how to work how to work my way up there. Uh, he, uh, uh, Clarence had called and he was talking about, you know, hey, we're checking this out, uh, Brave New Workshop, uh, it was, uh, Brave New Workshop was offering, or the Institute was offering uh, a sketch writing class again with, uh, with Katie McEwen. And they're like, it's a sketch writing class, Al Franken wrote here and all this, and this is all, you know, and it's, it's a huge theater. And I'm like, well, that's, that's cool. I need to get up there. Yeah, because we had done improv together in college. Yeah. That was, sure, yeah. So, and you know, I was, I, I hadn't done comedy certainly a lot since the, since graduating, since the storm, there wasn't, right, right. That, that had kind of really dried up, so uh, that that was this is you know it was like oh cool I can get a chance I can go somewhere you know uh, 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 study so study some comedy get back into into sure. some writing and then I fell back into improv through that uh, so uh, arranged to have him fly down in January uh, on a one way ticket to uh, threw all of my stuff into a car. Uh, didn't pay my last month rent because I figured, well, that'll be a way I get my deposit back. I don't think my roommates appreciated that too much, but that's yeah. that's neither here nor there at this point. Uh, and then we we made the drive up on Martin Luther King Day of 2006. Maybe uh, here I've uh, been here. I did the same thing uh, he did. Uh, Clarence did. I crashed on our friend Ed's futon. Uh, found an apartment over in uh, a studio apartment in Ventura Village, uh, and uh, and moved in there. And uh, got uh, found, you know, uh, I, I, I transferred easy. Uh, the bookstore I was working at uh, got me transferred to uh, to a downtown uh, a, a job down downtown Minneapolis. So I was oh, doing, wow. doing the That's same nice. coffee shop stuff uh, there. Same job, different town. Same job, different town, and uh, it was it was a good way to. So it was a way to have employment yeah. when I moved, and then I at that point found other jobs, other mm -hmm. stuff to do, and then got back into the improv scene. Well, what do you think for you? Like, because I know maybe for you it's maybe a little bit up in the air whether you're here for long term or blah blah blah. But like, so what about for you? So for me, like, I get asked the opposite question of, are, are you ever going to go back to New Orleans? And yeah. I always give the the you know the the polite, well, you know, maybe at some point. But I honestly no, yeah. I don't. It's I, I you know I still love my family and I go down there every year to visit and see you know as much people as possible, but. For me, there's there's not much going on, and there's um there's an improv scene that's that's uh, yeah. that's popped back up down there, and I've got friends who are still in that scene, but it would be 
it's it's that kind of that I've established. I guess you know I've I've established more of a, a, a or set down more roots here, and I've made uh, friends with with many improvisers around here, uh, and you know doing doing other teams and stuff. It was where your life is now. Basically, yeah. yeah I, I know what you mean. When I when I put everything in my in my Chevy Cavalier, <laughs> I seriously everything I owned was in that Chevy Cavalier and came up with me. There's nothing back in Louisiana that's that's mine. Yeah, I kind of feel that way, like, people are always like, well, are you ever going to go back to Chicago? And I'm like, well, I might. I don't know. I doubt it. I might. But if I did, I wouldn't do improv, because I don't feel like, and I, I don't want this to sound cocky, but I don't feel like starting over. Right, right. And I don't, all of my friends, like, my close friends don't live there anymore, or have so moved on with their lives that really, honestly, trying to reconnect with them, I don't know that it would work. Yeah. So it almost feels like if I were ever to leave, I'm going to Austin or New York or something right. like that because I have the amount of familiarity I have with Chicago isn't isn't worth it just to move back to Chicago. Right. I kind of feel the same way because I, I get asked that too sometimes uh, going back home, and it's like you know one of the you know part of it is yeah it would just kind of feel like going backwards, and it's like I don't. My friends aren't there really, for the most part, and I, and I didn't really like my life when I was still there. Is one yeah. thing that I think about. It's like when I, I feel like if I went back, I, I wouldn't be where I wanted to be. As much as I love New Orleans, the city, um, but also, I uh, even if I went back to New Orleans, I wouldn't be going home. I'd still be homesick because yeah. it really has changed uh, my. My old neighborhood is gone. I mean, it's it's coming back, but it's not the same. I, I'm, my neighborhood was uh, Lakeview, which is one of the ones that got completely erased. That was the one the 17th Street Canal broke into, and it was uh, kind of middle class. So, for the most part, people had cars and got out. Yeah. So it didn't have as high a death toll right. as a, like the Ninth Ward and other places mm -hmm. you, you heard about a lot. But it, it still got wiped out. And going back there, we went. Cat and I went back for the first time that November. So it was a couple months later, but it still looked like, you know, the apocalypse had happened. And it was like a dream. Like I didn't feel anything because it was just like your brain rejects it. Because it's really, if you can imagine going to your hometown and just as far as the eye could see for miles and miles and miles, just real devastation. And not like it, it, it's like a movie, but it's just so much bigger. And, uh, you know, there were mountains of debris and trees in my neighborhood on the median that were literally like two stories high. Yeah, I mean, this is to a much lesser extent, but I live on the north side with a tornado hit. Right? Uh -huh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, this is apples and oranges, but the same thing, though. I was walking down the street, and I was like, this doesn't look like my neighborhood anymore because yeah. all of these trees are gone. Oh, yeah. That, it was um, just so strange. Where, I don't mean to co completely... Compare. Where, no, my parents, right. where my parents lived, there were there were a lot of pine, there were a lot of oak, just there was a lot of trees up in the skyline. And and after that, it, it was a completely different skyline. It was so much sparser and so much emptier. And it was... I mean, it, it emotionally was, was really empty to look yeah. at. Yeah, and your sense of place completely changes when you're there. It's like, e even if you're in the same spot geographically, it's not the same place. It's like... It's like in Gross Point Blank when they made the convenience store on his on his house. It's like you, you're in the same place, but it's not the same place, you know. So you can't go home again. No, you really can't. Yeah. Like I think that's part of it too for me. Like I left Chicago. Like the reason I'm here. Like I just had this moment. I was working at a. I was doing building sets at an equity theater, but it wasn't even in the city. It was four miles from my house, and I just had this. I just had this moment where I was like, oh my God, if, 
if I don't fucking leave right now, I'm never ever going to leave, which was a hugely dramatic, what a thing for a 22 year old to say, but like, I left in that sort of weird panic state, and I don't know that coming back will ever like... Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, was a, I mean, I was a 24-year-old who saw his chance at escape when he got his FEMA check. I mean, yeah. that honestly, that was uh, that was how you move. This this is your funds <laughs> to get you your uh, you know get the get the stuff to move, uh, get a deposit for uh, uh, an, an apartment. apartment, get your first month's rent in. So it's I like mean, a that spy was... movie where you're handed a briefcase with a bunch mm-hmm. of different passports. Here's your new life. <laughs> Don't ever contact me. <laughs> And I, I had, you know, uh, and I've still got a, I mean, I, I still love the place and I still want to go back there as often as possible. And I still have a huge chip on my shoulder, you know, I, I know, especially when we first came here, because it was in the wake of Katrina and everybody was pissed off and it was enough time had passed that more, more and more people started to feel comfortable. Uh, telling you they thought it was stupid that a city was there and, yeah. and oh, God did it. I mean, people would tell us this to our face. Yeah. So it was like, who are the people who believe this and don't tell us to our face? Yeah. There must be, and it, so I just know we had a big big chips on our shoulders about just defending the city and, and sticking up for it. And I remember it was particularly hard, too, during it because when we were entertaining all the cruise passengers, like I said, 9 out of 10 were really nice, and then one would be an asshole. And it was like... Because when we first started in Alaska, when you're working in Alaska, everyone asks you where you're from because they know you're not from Alaska. And we would say New Orleans, and they'd say, oh, that's great, I've been there. Or, oh, I'd love to go there someday. Oh, that's cool. Uh, And then when Katrina happened, the response was, oh, 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 my God. And so it would always be this downer. So we just started answering with, oh, we're from Louisiana. Oh, we're from the... Sure, yeah. But we also wanted to talk about it, but not here, not now, not dressed as a prostitute, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here's how to pan your gold, eat your salmon, get on the bus. Um, but every once in a while, there, you know, there there was one guy, it was near the end of the season, and there was only one that I actually almost hit. Uh, and it was this guy, I, I was... He was leaving. It was the end of the day. They were getting on the last bus out. He was the last person walking out of the camp. And I was walking with him back towards the bus. And he says, and he, he springs the question. He says, so where are you from? And I said, uh, I'm, from, I'm from down south. Oh, yeah, where? What state? Uh, Louisiana. Oh, whereabouts in Louisiana? I'm from New Orleans. And he says, you mean you were from New Orleans? Uh, <laughs> and mind you, this is three weeks later. There are still, I mean, it, 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 it's like, it, it's not like, first of all, that's not a cool joke. You don't make fun of the victim. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't, um, you don't kick the little guy. That's not how you make a joke. But uh, it was just like, dude, I, I just looked at him and I said, that's nice, sir. And I walked away. Yeah. But I didn't hit him and I'm proud of myself for that. <laughs> I mean, what do you even say? Like, I remember because we, the workshop, we wrote a show about it. And we just yeah. kept thinking. We, we got that up, was the first thing we, we got saw. Up here we got to see it. Yeah. We got up here in time. To, uh, to see it because we were taking the classes the same time you guys had that up so we, we thought it was fantastic oh we loved it it was it was awesome well and what freaked Kat and me out because we were sitting there watching it and it had the whole part in the second act where it was about relocate to Alaska and we were like what the fuck I just realized that you're right there was a sketch about that that's crazy yeah but when we wrote it we were like it's weird to me that any blame is being laid anywhere but at the feet of the government mm-hmm. and well essentially that like, yeah, yeah. S- things structurally failed because things weren't paid attention to exactly so why is 
and then the media, I think, handled it weirdly, and it, you know that's been covered mm-hmm. sort of ad nauseum. But yeah, yeah. To your point about the little guy, like it was weird to us, and that I remember that was one of the few times the cast was pretty mad while we were writing. We were like, "This is really, this whole thing is bullshit." <laughs> like, I did. Yeah. I, I love. I did love the sketch about the uh, the um, the family on the roof. That yeah. uh, they gets helicoptered in. Come to Fridley. Uh, come to Fridley. Is that in Canada? Uh-huh. And <laughs> yeah. the, it was the one line I love uh, is the the description of Ludafisk, and then Joe's Joe's character Remy is <laughs> Mommy. Why would they do that to fish? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. We came to the coldest place we could find. We came to the opposite end of the Mississippi, just about. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, it's really fucked up though. Is that okay? So my last car got drowned uh, <laughs> at my dad's house when it flooded during Katrina. I come here, and then the car I have here, I'm living in uptown Minneapolis, and last summer, my that car gets flooded and totaled in uptown Minneapolis. Why did your car get flooded? Because it was parked at uh, was uh, a- at Lindale and 22nd, like right by that car wash on the wedge, so, and, so and it rained really hard and it flooded. Garfield. Oh. And it flooded, it floated my car up and got like, it got it sort of diagonally onto the curb. It actually floated, it got up to the dashboard, up above, like, to the top of the dashboard and moved the car totally totaled it and I got a ticket from the city of course for, for being parked in the curb because the flood moved it but I, that got thrown out my car got flooded on uh, I used to live on Fremont and Franklin right up in, in uptown mm-hmm. and like I got into my car and I, I sat down I didn't remember rating particularly hard than it before it was like the floorboards were really squishy like, <laughs> what the fuck because apparently I parked above a grate oh. and the grate I don't it know just, what happened but for whatever reason all the water that should have been going into grate just sort of swelled into my car and yeah. then went down and I just remember from that point on I tried to keep a cleaner interior for my car because that was I, you guys I lost so many scripts that day <laughs> I just kept scripts in my car mm-hmm. that I was like you need to come up with a better solution than that so um, but I for one I'm glad you guys are here yeah and thanks thank you people yeah um, thanks for being here thanks for listening to Storytime Explosion I'm always looking for new stories and people to interview if you're interested email me at mikephotis at gmail.com it'll be fun promise. Okay. Bye.